1: Welcome back to the Metal Exchange, Justin and Chris. Here with you. It's 2023. Happy New Year, my friend.
2: Uh, it is now. It didn't start out that way, but it's much happier now. So thank you, Freedom Call, for uh, pulling me out of the Celtic funk that I was in last week. <laughs> De-
1: definitely uh, a different a different album um, of sorts uh, this week. Going back right into your wheelhouse, almost almost. Uh, 25 years ago as this uh, Stairway to Fairyland album came out in 1999. But before we get there, um, next week, next week, the long-awaited Best of 2022 episode. I know we've had a lot of uh, interest and curiosity as to our thoughts on last year. We've obviously alluded to some of those thoughts in, in the previous weeks and whatnot. But I, I'm looking forward to really kind of clamping down on some of these albums from from last year um, the good news is to, to date, I've not heard anything in 2023 that has blown me away. So the list is wide open. All 50 slots are there for the taking, but, um, we're off, we're going to be off and running soon enough because, um, fast and furiously these singles and these uh, albums are being released. Um, not least of which is the new Sleep Token single, Chokehold. Ironically enough, they released that on Thursday, and then the next day they released a second single, The Summoning. I absolutely adore these guys. They were one of my top albums from a year or two ago. You hate them. I know that this is
2: definitely not your cup of tea, Um, but I, I, I hate hate is, a strong, hate is a strong word that I save only for Celtic Frost type f- situations. F- fair enough. I I implore
1: you, give them a listen. Give this, give this, give their new album a listen in 2023. And I think you might be in for a surprise.
2: Yeah. I just didn't really, um, I didn't love the album last year. And I think part of the problem was that, um, and by last year, I mean 2021. Um, it just, everybody was like so over the moon about it. And then I just listened to it and I was just kind of like, meh. So, uh, <laughs> I did, I, not that I thought it was bad. I just thought it was kind of sleepy, I guess, which, you know, it, that's the name. Right. I,
1: I, aptly named to say the least. Um, give it a shot. The 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 single I heard on Thursday was a little bit more um accessible, I guess would be the word. I'm gonna check out the single from Friday. I have not yet heard it. Um I, I quite frankly didn't realize that they've been coming out so fast and furiously, but um I expect the album to be very, very good. I think that they are on the precipice of really blowing up. Um One of our listeners from Australia was saying that they are doing a full tour there this year, and and they seem to really be getting around. They were in the U.S. last fall, but they were doing an opening um, set, and they just didn't come anywhere in New York City despite a long run of shows. So I have to think they'll be back in short order.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask you. I could have sworn I saw their name on a on a bill not that long ago. Who did they tour with?
1: I don't recall. Uh, it was a band that I'm not into, so I really would just be going to the show for them. And I, quite frankly, I like them enough that I would probably go see them for half an hour or 40 minutes as an opener. But I wasn't going to go four hours out of my way to do it because I just assume that they'll be back as a headliner or direct support in the in the not so distant future.
2: Gotcha. Okay.
1: So, in- interestingly enough, and uh, a uh, former guest. Of the podcast and Prague Power alum Seven Spires has just announced uh, and released a single for their live album, um, Live from Prague Power USA 21, and the single was for "Ghost of Yesterday," a fantastic song off that album. I I didn't realize that they were going to release this show that you and I were both at.
2: Nor did I. Uh, it's a nice surprise. Um, I would have been even more excited had there been a DVD Blu-ray as well, but. I think we would have noticed had the thing been actually filmed. Um truth. But it, it was a hell of a set. I have to say, like that um that whole night, um I, I I said spoke to you about uh recently just how that whole all five bands just really impressed me that night. It was a really really shout out to Milton for that that lineup was just fantastic. I, I had such a good time and um I thought Seven Spires really brought it and uh and then when Roy Khan came on stage, um, it was just kind of amazing to me that I waited my whole life as a metal fan to see Roy Khan sing, and it wasn't with Camelot or Conception, but with Seven Spires. So yeah, go figure, right?
1: It's, <laughs> um, and it was great, I have to be honest. And not only with, with Spires, but obviously uh, Conception as well. What I, I felt like during that set, you saw a band that, kind of was an opener and slowly gaining steam and popularity blossom before our very eyes into a potential headlining act just at that show. Um, The sound was massive. The crowd was into it. And you just saw this groundswell of support for this band. Uh, and, And I know it's not just at Prague Power because they've been getting this kind of reception all throughout the country and on their European tours as well. I, I, I think they're going to be absolutely huge. I, I spoke about Sleep Token earlier. Obviously, a very, very different sound. But I feel like in their own way, Seven Spires is doing that same exact thing in in, in the symphonic power metal, whatever the hell they are
2: scene. <laughs> yes, I, I absolutely agree. I feel like um, they're kind of... Uh, I think they're picking up where Camelot may have left off when they were... I'm just going to be honest, more interesting. Right. Um, right. And, and uh, you know, we'll talk a bit more about Camelot um, in this episode, but uh, I just feel like it, it's, and I'm not even going to say this has anything to do with Tommy uh, joining the band. It's just, I think that the band was starting to kind of lose steam, even when Khan was still a part of it. And I agree. Um, I agree. They're, they're I, and time. and I will, I want to point out, this is mm-hmm. my taste. Like I, was a big fan of everything Camelot did from fourth legacy until black halo. Those were like the prime years of Camelot for me. And, um, I just, uh, I, I, as I, I, do enjoy the, I have enjoyed the three albums they've done with Tommy, just not as much. Um, and so, uh, that's kind of where I'm at with that. I, i right now I enjoy seven spires, new material, a lot more than Camelot's. So that's the reason I bring that up. Yeah, I think that I
1: think that makes sense. Um, and, and maybe there's a bit of a nostalgia there as well, right? I think it's actually going to come into play momentarily when we talk about Freedom Call, just being when you become a fan of a band and you are accustomed to a certain sound and there's a deviation from that sound, I think that your perception changes. If I would have heard Sonata Artica's last album two years ago and then I would have gone back and listened to Their first album, I would have been like, "What? It sounds like a completely different band." But if you're into what you've heard first, sometimes the change is actually difficult to deal with in in many respects.
2: Yes, I absolutely agree. I I, honestly, I remember um, when I first moved to Rochester, uh, I would hang out at my friend Caleb's house, and there had always, you know, he lived with his friend Alex, who was in a band, so there were always musicians just hanging out and we would just be like bullshitting and like, and it would be so funny to me because like a lot of them would just be like, yeah, like pain of salvation was great when like remedy lane came out and like road salt sucks. And it's like, but like the prevailing, the prevailing thought was that like all the bands like peaked already (laughs) and now they're all terrible. And it's like, well, sometimes bands change. Like, you know, it's not Arctic is a great example because they're totally different uh, than they were when they first started. But I know people that are completely okay with the, their current material. I, I happen to like some of it. Um, there's enough other things to, to like sate that like fast power metal kind of vibe. that not Artica used to play. That I don't need Sonata Artica to keep doing it, if that makes sense. Like, there's, it does, and that's why the Remedy Lane material
1: is the best and never touched because nobody is doing what they did on Remedy Lane. I think there's there's a difference. There are other bands that have picked up that fast power metal style that Sonata Artica was doing earlier on. Nobody, nobody is doing anything like Remedy Lane, and that's why right. it is demonstrably better than rolled one and two i guess
2: what I, i guess what i should say is that like there's enough other prog metal bands making really great albums that like i don't know like i don't need pain of salvation to go back and make another remedy lane or another perfect element like that that was a an album of its time and and um I don't know. There's, I think that one of the things that I've definitely appreciated in the last few weeks trying to listen to every, almost everything that came out last year is that there's a lot of stuff out there and there's a lot of, there's something to, to just quench whatever thirst you have. So to me, it, it's, it's almost kind of a waste to just lament on bands not, you know, not being the same as they were in their prime or whatever, and, and even though I was the one who brought this up in the first place, but like you know, I, I don't need Camelot to be. I can I can just go back and listen to Fourth Legacy and and Karma and and Epica and Black Halo and then be happy, and then I could go listen to Seven Spires if and I wanted to. And yet, listen.
1: and yet, you chose Freedom Calls debut from nineteen ninety nine, which some would argue, was in fact their heyday. Now, I, I'm not suggesting that they haven't come out with other good albums since then. The, the reality is they've come out with a lot of albums. Um, But call it for what it is, we first heard this band in 1999, and you picked the album that we first heard. So but why don't you talk a little bit about why you chose this album, Um, even if it is a bit of a nostalgia pick?
2: It. You know, it like I said last week I was uh, it was hard to pick. I definitely wanted to do a Freedom Call album. Um I feel like it's been kind of a uh an omission so far and you had mentioned that as well. Um and you know a lot of people would probably say Eternity was their their, their best album. Um I think it's I am I'm a big fan of the all four of their first four albums I think they're all really good um, after that um, they started to get a little bit more I guess experimental and and like a little like they'd have like some weird kind of poppy elements on songs like mr. evil um, but then there's songs like black and Sun which I mentioned to you the other day I think is one of the best freedom call songs ever um, and then um, I thought uh, you know beyond was a, a really a really good album. Um I feel like they've been kind of hit or miss uh yes. since Circle of Life, which I thought was really good and didn't get a lot of uh fanfare at the time. But I thought there's a lot of good songs. Go listen to Star Child from Circle of Life is arguably one of the best freedom call songs of all time. But anyway, um there's a ton of really good songs on these first four albums. Uh, the, the song Freedom Call on Crystal Empire is, hopefully, um, they play it live when you're on 70,000 tons. Cause that's, that song is just a blast live. Uh, Metal Invasion and Warriors and Land of Light from Eternity. Like just, they have a ton of really great songs. That said, um, I think much the same way we chose ecliptica when we wanted to talk about snot artica it's which oddly enough came out the same year as stairway to fairyland there's just something about the first album where you're discovering this band for the first time and more so this is at a time where we're in our infancy as as metal fans and so most of the bands that we were listening to had been existing for a while. You know, it's like we were catching up on Halloween and Sabotage and Stradivarius and Angra and all these releases and the Freedom Call and Snot Artica were two of the first bands that were like new brand new at the time. And we could kind of jump in on the ground floor rather than have to backtrack. And so I think that there's, um, there's definitely a nostalgia for that of being there right from the beginning. And, um, I want to say, I can't remember if it was you or somebody else online. Um, I, I'll never forget. The first song I ever heard was Shine On. Yes. And I was like, wow, this is really awesome. Like, it's 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 awesome to hear music that I like, but from a different band. Because at the time, I, my knowledge of power metal bands probably could have counted on two hands. Um and I and then I remember just buying the album and just loving it, and um, so I have a, a, a more of an, a, an affinity and a nostalgia for this album than any of their other ones. And going back and listening to it, it's definitely uh, it's definitely remained. I'll say a uh, lot lot to, lot to talk about there.
1: You were talking about their um, kind of the hit or miss nature of their discography. I tend to agree. Not that albums have no good songs. I, I think that some of their poor albums have some really good songs, but for my money. And, and again, this is just me. It was, Oh, I, I thought that stare at fairyland was a fantastic album. And I was really, really disappointed by crystal empire to this day. I have not been able to get into that album. And I have played it so many times because I thought it was like a me thing, but for whatever reason, I've had issues getting into that album. I thought that, you know, I, I, I don't disagree. I think that, uh, eternity gets a lot of love it is a very good album but for me the only album i would put on a pedestal with the debut was in fact beyond i just that album hit me like a ton of bricks about 10 years ago when it came out in 2014 i thought that was fantastic um and even the most recent album which came out um in 2019 me- metal it, it had its moments i didn't think it was anything to write home about but they, they they've got these two fantastic albums and then the rest of the stuff is kind of like hit or miss on the discography. Before we get to before we get to Stairway, which obviously will be the bulk of our discussion, I did look at their most recent set list because I was curious to see what kind of material they were playing at their live shows. I will have the pleasure of seeing them in a couple of weeks down on 70,000 tons. They don't touch this debut album or at least – They haven't been on this new tour. They seem to play a little bit of everything, but they don't play anything from this album. And I wonder why that is, because there's some phenomenal songs that are like quintessential to their career, which is now lasting, what, almost 25 years.
2: Yeah, you know, come to think of it, I'm not sure that they played anything from this album when they played at Prague Power, the one time that I've seen them either. I'm going to pull it up. up I'm
1: pulling up that set list now, and they played We Are One, which is awesome they played but it was only one song off the album
2: yeah um yeah i don't know it could just be because there's just a glut of albums at this point now that they've been around for a while there's a lot of material to uh to cover um you know it's kind of the uh embarrassment of riches i guess that we talk about with bands like not respecting the uh or or fans would would Feel as if they're not respecting the older material. Um, I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe with the twenty-five year anniversary uh, approaching, um, would that be? I guess that'd be next year. Um, next year. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, they started in ninety-eight, but then this album would come out in ninety-nine. Right. So maybe um, I don't know. Maybe they'll play this album or part more songs from this album next next year um, to celebrate. Twenty-five years always seems to be kind of like a, a gold watch anniversary for bands to like kind of revisit albums and what have you. So, um, yeah,
1: just an, just an interesting anecdote. I was surprised when they didn't have anything from it in their set, um, but let's let's get into it. We got this album comes out May thirty-first of ninety-nine, and you pointed it out. And you're absolutely right. I remember finding Shine On or. I guess it was an MP3 at the time, which probably took me about 14 years to download. But I, what what kind of drew me to the band was that they had something in common with Gamma Ray. So right off the bat, I was curious as to like what this band was. And that was Dan Zimmerman, Gamma Ray's drummer at the time, who was the drummer for this band. So, you know, back in 1998, 1999, it's not like today where there's 50 albums that come out each week that you're kind of curious to check out or that people are recommending back then when there was an album that was released you paid attention to it because there were not that many albums that came out on a regular basis so when you saw that Dan Zimmerman was gonna play on an album and you were a big gamma ray fan it was like a it was a no-brainer and then you heard shine on you're like yeah this is this is right up, uh, you know, right up your alley if you were a Gamma Ray fan at the time.
2: Right, it, it wasn't even so much that it was Dan Zimmerman; it was that drummer from Gamma Ray does a right. side project. It was right. almost like, like, oh, um, Kai Hansen's in a band called Iron Savior. I should check them out. And it's like your, like your fandom is is causing you to kind of reach out and 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 find out what else you could be listening to because you don't really. You know the internet's in its infancy. There's not nearly as much out there. You don't have like iTunes at your disposal, where like you have to go and buy a physical album. It, it's crazy to think about. Um, so, like you said, the amount of things just coming across your desk, so to speak, is is so minimal at the time compared to now that you just it, it's an instant excitement factor. Um, I, I God, I wish I trying to remember where i bought this album um if i ordered it online or if i went bought it in a store it might have been at tower records i can't remember but um i just remember i was really excited to get it and um it, it's I, I i'm excited to talk about it track by track because i have i'm curious if you thoughts on, on the the content of this album mirror mind because I have I have opinions I, I know that's oh, surprising man. to you but I have I, opinions. <laughs> I am, th-
1: this is this was a unique experience I will open with my thoughts generally in a second I just want to round out the the lineup for a second uh, you had the intro the real introduction to Chris Bay the vocalist and guitar player keyboard player extraordinaire and when I say introduction I had never heard of his prior band Moondock, which had released two albums in 1995 and 1996. As an aside, I became such, so infatuated with Chris, Chris Bay's vocals on this album that I went back and I went on eBay and I bought a Moondock album and it was their second album called get mooned. It was God awful. I mean, (laughs) absolutely almost unlistenable. And Chris Bay Props to him, he couldn't save this thing. Like this, it was it was an abomination of an album. We should cover that one of these days just for pure comedic value. I thought it was terrible. I listened to it a few times and I said to myself, thank God I bought this thing used for like five bucks because it was just absolutely god-awful. But you over you overpaid. I think I did. Um <laughs> I probably could have gotten that and monotheist lumped together, and I think I would have overpaid for the five bucks. But the, the problem was I was just, I loved this guy's vocals so much that I just had to hear more. And after that Moondock experience, I wasn't going to go out and find their debut. Uh, it just wasn't It wasn't in the cards. And he had apparently done an EP with a German band called, I think there were a German band called Lanzer, came out in 1992. But like this guy was a virtual unknown, and here he is on this Freedom Call album. Uh, Ilker Erzin, bassist and also backing vocals, and then a guitar player who I had never heard of before, uh, a guy by the name of Sasha Gerstner. I think you might be familiar with him now, but at the time at the time it was a, a relatively new guitar player who nobody had ever heard of before um for those What did that, that guy ever do? Yeah, I guess he would I mean <laughs> he would, he would fade fade into obscurity except that on his left he would have Michael Wyketh. and on his right would be Kai Hansen as he would become Halloween's longtime guitar player he's been in the band longer than virtually any other guitar player Other than white guys.
2: And and supposedly he had claimed after he left Freedom Call that he would never play in a metal band again. And then a year later he was in Halloween. So they can't
1: can't get rid of him. But that's it's it's (laughs) um really, really funny. But that that's your lineup here, and it's um going back to what you were saying, this experience for me was really, really interesting. I loved this album when it came out, and I used to play it constantly, and I have very, very vivid memories of about 80% of this album. There were one or two songs that I completely forgot about. But the reason I bring this up, the songs that I used to love as a kid, not my favorite songs now, and the songs that I fell in love with this week were songs that I enjoyed, but I didn't pay much mind to back in the day. So my thoughts on this album generally – I think it's still a very, very good album and I enjoyed it immensely. But what I enjoyed about it has completely changed over the last 25 years. And I have not listened to this band ever since they were announced for Prague Power. I haven't listened to them because I was depressed that I wasn't seeing them. So I actually just kind of like stopped listening for a bit other than the new the new album, which came out in 2019. I, I just kind of put them on pause for a little bit. But um, it was good to go back and visit. It's just a completely different experience. I have a feeling that our our... Well, I shouldn't say that. I I, I'm, I I am also curious as to whether the songs that I now enjoy the most are the
2: same as yours. I am too. Uh, <laughs> Although, to be honest with you, like I, my feelings about the songs on this album have remained pretty much the same. I was hoping mm. that maybe there would be some change. And um, it, it's kind of pretty much stayed on par with how I've always felt about uh, the album just that uh, I still enjoy the songs that I enjoy and still um, there's still some songs that just um, don't hit for me and never have and still don't. Interesting.
1: Well, this is, this is going to be even more interesting than I, than I thought. Um, when I first heard it as a kid without, it without a discerning ear, I always said to myself, well, they're just kind of happier gamma ray clones, but I actually don't think that that's the case they add elements to this album, and I think it starts off with Over the Rainbow. They add elements here that Gamma Ray just quite frankly never employed, mostly because they're so keyboard-driven with like the church organs and the church bells, um, and those sounds kind of permeate this entire album, which is really, really interesting because it was kind of a unique sound to add to what's otherwise kind of a generic power metal band in many ways. I don't think the guitars here no disrespect to Sasha is, is what the standout features of this album are. I think that they are, I think it's competent playing. I just don't think it's anything to write home about. Um, I think the riff on this particular track, not blazing fast, but it has that upbeat sound, but they're kind of mundane. Um, but it's Chris Bay's vocals on this track and on the rest of the album that really shine almost as if it was a solo album. Um, what are your thoughts on over the rainbow? Because the other thing I would just say is the backing vocals here, take me out of it a little bit. And I love this song as a kid. I don't love it as much as I used to, although I think it's a good song. Uh,
2: I, I, I love, I love the song. I think it's such a great way to kind of kick things off. Um, that like you said, like the the kind of like bells and organs and stuff. I feel like this band missed its mark. It could have made a Christmas album. Um, <laughs> I totally but, agree. Uh, but but uh, I really like this song I, as a an intro, just to kind of kick things off. It really gives you a vibe of what the band is all about and kind of what you're getting into. With um, you get like some of those like um. Like kind of like deeper backing vocals, um, almost kind of like I don't know, I don't want to say growly, but they're almost like kind of like um, stern, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't know how else to describe it, but um, I An really, priest. I, yeah. Um, the I think the chorus is super catchy. Like the I agree with you about like the like this isn't blowing you away with like guitar solos or anything like that, but it's really the the melodic nature of all the songs, the melodies are really what carries the songs on this album. And I, think I agree that with this. That. I think this, uh, this song is a really great way to kind of kick things off. Um, as soon as I played it for the, the first time this week and this song kicked in, I'm like, yes, this is what I need in my life right now. Like that's some, some just upbeat and catchy and happy like music. And it just, It really just sets the tone for the whole album and really their whole career when you think about it.
1: Yeah, no, I I think it's a very representative track. I I definitely enjoy it. It kind of hits me in that warm nostalgia spot because of the time frame that it came out and everything else. I just think that there's better material on the album, which we'll get to. Um, The second track, Tears Falling, is is interesting because it actually starts off with this drum intro, which reminds me of something that would have been on Somewhere Out in Space which I guess is what obviously Zimmerman was kind of just coming off the heels of at the time, so it makes sense. Um, but the, what, what what's interesting is the pacing on this song is kind of very similar to Over the Rainbow. It's not like it's um, lightning fast, but it's definitely more upbeat power metal. And again, I think that what's interesting is on the first track – I don't love the verses, although I agree with you. The chorus is excellent. I think that the verses on Tears Fallen is actually better. And so when you marry that with what's otherwise another catchy, melodic chorus, you actually have a better tune. And while I used to say Gamma Ray clones through and through – I actually hear a bit of Angra on this track and at other points on this disc. So to me, it's like the perfect blend of if Gamma Ray and Angra had a baby, you'd have Freedom Call. Just not as fast as Angra and slightly more melodic than Gamma Ray.
2: That would be a hell of a baby. Um.
1: <laughs> You're the godfather. Congratulations.
2: Oh my God. What a, what a proud moment. Um, yeah, another. I just, I just think this is another really good tune. Um I'll, I'll kind of let the cat out of the bag here. I feel like this album starts out like on, f- like on fire and then it completely tails off and, and I'll, I'll point out where I find that it tails off. But um, right now I think we're still running on all cylinders. Um, I, I, I this is another song where um, it's just, it's just, happy like it just makes me happy like i just listen to it and and it, it should be no surprise that i would go on to love bands like power quest and rain seed this was kind of like planting the seeds in a way yeah yeah exactly like just kind of like it was you know i always loved power metal but i would always have a little bit more of a special place in my heart for when it was a little bit happier or flowery i guess would be a way of putting it in this I, freedom call almost was kind of like the the godfathers of flower flower power metal yeah um yeah in a lot of ways did, um,
1: let me ask you this what were your thoughts on the instrumental section of this song did it take you out of it a bit because for me it just kind of like almost puts it almost like comes to a halt and then it picks up again but it's just like i don't know it was just a weird instrumental section to me that almost takes me out just a just a touch
2: no, it, you know, it is what it is. It's just like, you know, it's a power metal song. You know, there's got to be parts where the singing stops and there's just going to be, you know, it, it actually, in a lot of ways, it kind of reminds me of what Gamma Ray would do on certain songs where things would almost just kind of slow down and you'd get like kind of almost like this kind of pensive or contemplative kind of part. And then it would start to build up again. And then here come the guitars and here come everything else. and then it And then it builds and builds and builds. And then Guitar solo, and then soaring vocals come back in to close out the proceedings. So I think it works. I I, I never really, it never really paid any mind to it as far as like taking me out of the song. It just felt like a, a another part of the song, so that um, the whole song didn't sound completely repetitive all the way through. All right, I think I, I can understand that. Um, talk to me for a
1: second about Fairyland, which is uh, the third track here. I'm assuming this is not where it kind of goes off the rails for you.
2: No, definitely not. Um, really to me, like an epic build at the beginning, just really kind of just, um, you, you have like the, I think I never really appreciated the drumming on this album as much as I did going back and listening to it again, especially in a song like this. Cause this, the drums are really what leads this song kind of in and it's, um, it starts out kind of with that kind of mid tempo, you know, vibe, but then like it has these like, like awesome, uh, orchestrations that kind of lead it in. It's just such an epic lead in that goes for almost, almost two minutes to like kind of really get the ball rolling on the, the verses and stuff. Um, it's, not as fast as the first two songs, but I also think that like it just it's good it, you need a little bit of a a change of pace and a change of tempo and i really this is another song I just really like and and it goes to show you that like um this band's not just about fast you know happy bangers they also can do some really good kind of middle middle tempo type songs without being boring It's not a ballad. But I think that the change of pace was necessary
1: because the first two tracks are kind of the same tempo. This was a track that when I was a kid, I used to enjoy, but I didn't really... I gravitated towards the faster stuff. But I guess in my old age, I listened to this and I was blown away, absolutely blown away by this track this week. This and one other one were were two tracks that just rose head and shoulders above the rest. Um, and Um And to be honest with you, it's... Not just the pacing, but it's that epic quality that you mentioned with the keyboards. I cannot imagine this band without those keyboard sounds. It would sound so pedestrian and so basic. But then when you add that element, it just takes it off the charts. And what I also liked here is that this is Chris Bay's first real uh, demonstration of, of, of his vocal prowess, where it's not just him kind of hitting those ridiculous high notes but where he kind of goes down an octave or two and you can kind of hear him and appreciate his voice and the full range of his 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 talent I loved it and I gotta be honest with you I'm actually gonna make it my song of the week because I couldn't believe how it hit me my one negative my one negative is something that must be pointed out but let's take a listen and I'll, I'll get to that in a second that song just puts you in a good mood my only gripe and I, I alluded to it before before the before we listened my only gripe is that the lyrics are a bit hard to swallow and i say that because if you're looking for like introspective thought provoking philosophical lyrics probably not the band for you uh, but i don't even fault them because like most this is what most power metal is but by and large this track is absolutely awesome and then it leads into the track that we both, you know, used as our introduction to the band, "Shine On." I'm curious if "Shine On" holds up for you as well as it did back in the day, because this again was our first exposure to the band, and really anyone's first exposure to the band back in 1999.
2: Yeah, um, I still like it a lot. Um, I think that I don't think for because for 25 years I just know the song so well, but kind of looking back on it with a more critical ear it's funny listening to it and thinking to yourself like if you didn't know any better you you would think that a ballad was about to start like yes it 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 starts out with like a very power metal-y kind of guitar solo but then it slows down and it sounds like it's going to be a power ballad and then (laughs) all of a sudden it just kicks in freedom for us all and then all of a sudden like Everybody just starts to, like, just kick in, and this song just blows up into this fast-paced banger. Yeah, Um, it it
1: goes from Power boward to, like, Freight Train, in, in, like, right away.
2: Yeah, this, I think this, this song still, it hits me right in the feels, and it just makes me think of back when I only knew one Freedom Call song, and this was it, 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 it does have, like you mentioned with Tears Falling, it has like a part where it just kind of like, the song kind of just stops almost. <laughs> and then there's like this like kind of gruff vocals, like, uh, I, I kind of liken it to like Wykey's vocals that just aren't that great. Um, I don't think it's Chris Bay because it just sounds like totally different. It's really weird. And then but then again, like it slows down, then it picks back up again. Um this was just what a great I don't know. It just I I think I'm just clouded by nostalgia because this song I just has such I have such fond memories of listening to. It's probably like one of the first like metal MP3s I had on my computer, like before the I actually had the album. Um and then I probably just deleted the track once I bought the CD. Um, I remember I had a rule that I would only keep music on my computer if I didn't own the actual physical version of it. My, his so full circle. Yeah, that way, like, I can conserve space because if I had, you know, every song I knew on my computer, like, I would have run out of space real quick. So it was only for, like, songs that I just didn't have in any other capacity. Um, and I would stick to that rule for years until, uh, till iTunes became a thing. And then, uh, I blame our friend Ryan for showing me his, uh, his iMac with, or his MacBook with his iTunes and all of his albums meticulously organized. And like the second I went back to college, I downloaded iTunes for windows, which ran like sheer garbage in 2002 or whatever. It was so slow. And I went, I just went and ripped every CD I owned and just created this. And that's how it all kind of started for me, this massive digital collection. So anyway, a little bit of a side, side track there. But yeah, this this track kind of goes back to those days of like, you would have one track from a band, like when uh, PowerQuest, when I would have Far Away and Temple of Fire, literally the two tracks from PowerQuest on my computer until I would actually go and get the albums. And this was... More of the same, um, but yeah. Um, how about you? Like, Where does this song kind of uh, land for you after all these years? It's It holds up very well, and I think that it's
1: very reminiscent of the era. I feel like this song encapsulates late 90s power metal, and it's a sound that, like, for whatever reason, you don't really hear so much in power metal today. You never hear a power metal song and say... Yeah, it reminds me of Freedom Call from 99. Like For some reason, it's just like this era kind of just stood on its own. And the one thing I'll say is as much as I remember the song because I played it so much, for whatever reason, it was a little longer than I remember. And I don't mean that as a bad thing. It's just a, the song was like denser and longer than I remember. And I guess it's maybe because the chorus is so epic that that's what I just really – hung on to all these years but it was cool to go back and listen to it and and i think it definitely is uh one of the top five songs on the album like i wouldn't say it's my favorite but i would put it in the top top half of, of songs that i like on the album um great stuff and i can understand why they selected it as a single especially because it has that big ballad feel at the very beginning And then it transitions into the one song that you met, like we were able to say, that you saw live at Prague Power. And ironically, in my notes, I have the fact that if I was going to listen to one song from this album live, it might be We Are One. It's kind of ironic. Um, Very, very good guitar work on this song. I I know that I was a little critical earlier, but this song, the guitars are fantastic. It's very catchy and it has almost a medieval feel to to it just in terms of um, the way it's presented. I think I actually prefer the middle of this disc. I I track three was my song of the week. Track four was a fantastic, fantastic, um, single. We are one is this really catchy, fast song and a perfect example of why power metal was better 25 years ago. Uh, and and then one or two more songs that are also just with the exception of, well, we'll get there, but like this middle (coughs) tier of the album is really, really good for me. And, um, there's few bands that are doing it like this. The only one that kind of comes to mind is that band Thororod, who nobody talks about, but like they had a really good album that came about three or four years ago.
2: yes, uh that's a good good callback there um so this this is um you know, like you said, the one song they played at Prague Power from this album it also appears on their uh ages of light compilation album that came out in two thousand and thirteen. It's one of uh two songs from this album that I represented. Uh, Tears Falling being the other one. So I thought that was interesting that those were the two choices from this album. They also feel like they would be the best live representations from this album. Like you, like you mentioned, um, this song came, came across really, really well live, I will say. Um, and, and kind of looking at this 18 track list of songs on this, um, this compilation album, um, Man, this band has a lot of v- albums and really good songs. Like if you take the it's kind of like do you remember when we talked about um hardcore superstar and you and you kind of created your um your like essential hardcore superstar playlist. Yep. I feel like this is another band where if you took like the essential Freedom Call songs and made a compilation, like a two disc compilation, it would really be out of this world. Um, I just, I think that their best material really holds up with any of the, the best power metal bands over the, over the years.
1: Sounds like you've just given yourself a homework assignment, my friend. I look forward I'd to seeing I probably
2: already have a playlist <laughs> of my fa- favorite Freedom Call songs. It might be missing stuff from, more recent albums but it wouldn't be that hard honestly. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Um I I talked about the the middle section of this album
1: a notch lower than than some of the tracks that preceded it would be Him to the Brave which very aptly named it sounds like this power metal church hymn that you would hear like before a battle or something like that. The issue for me is that it's just a little bit repetitive. I thought that the instrumental section here was actually the highlight, and it reminds me of something that Roland Grappo would write on guitar with that slightly neoclassical feel to it, um, which was a real highlight. I actually thought that that was one of the best instrumental sections on the entire album. I have a feeling you don't like this track, and I don't know why, and it's not because I'm reading your face. I just, for some reason, I feel like this is not your favorite track on the album. Tell me why that is.
2: Uh, You're wrong. Really? Okay. (laughs) put myself out there nice try nice try um no i really like this song i agree it is a little bit it is a little bit repetitive but um it's so epic like just the like you mentioned that their use of like these kind of church-like organ sounds and like the bells and everything it you're right this band is a totally different band without it like those those keyboard orchestrations and everything they carry the the melodies and everything and it really adds this element to the band that like you don't get from a halloween or a gamma ray at the time because it's maybe a song here and there but this is freedom calls kind of signature sound that kind of permeates through the entire album and pretty much you know their first several albums um i really like this song it's probably the closest thing to a a ballad, I guess on the album. Um, but it's, I think it's just really, um, it's a, to me, it's like a tankard of ale swing your arm back and forth at the, you know, just, it, it's like, I don't know. It's kind of like the celebration of, uh, a battle, the battles won, or whatever. I don't know. I really like this song. It's, um, epic. And I think it's well-placed because, um, the album for the most part has been pretty, pretty fast pretty fast paced throughout. And so this kind of slows things down a little bit. And then it, it follows up by, I would argue the, the most epic song on the album, tears of, of Tarragon, um, not to be confused with the, the McCormick spice. Um, <laughs> this is Tarragon with one R. Um, but uh, it kind of, I think that these two songs kind of um, slow things down a little bit in a good way. Like it's again, like I said before, um, the band shows that they really uh, have chops not just with the speedy stuff but with other you know tempos as well i love i love tears of tarragon and it's funny
1: because if i if i hadn't sh- uh, selected fairyland this would have been my other song of the week so what i found myself gravitating towards was those slower mid-paced anthemic songs as opposed to what i remember the band for which is speedy power metal and and fast Flower Power Metal. So, like, my, my thoughts have just changed completely on this album. And what I love is that at around the four-minute mark, the song really just kind of picks up, which is something that, like, out of nowhere, it just goes from this really cool, almost crowd... You can almost hear, like, a, this being a crowd favorite at a live show back in 2000. And then at the four-minute mark, it just takes off um, with this really... Uh, you kind of have this epic instrumental section. You're just waiting for that final chorus to be the big payoff. And it comes uh, shortly thereafter. I think it's probably Chris Bay's best vocal performance uh, on the album and and very emotional, despite the lyrics, Uh, just a very emotional song. Um, A real, real uh, winner for me and something that I probably didn't appreciate enough 25 years ago. Uh,
2: So song of the week for me. Um, And, and and I'll tell you a little interesting story that involves you. Um, this is, um, this is one of those songs that, like you mentioned before, like that you might not have paid as much attention to back in the day. And same for me. And then going back and listening to it, I was like, holy shit. Um, the song is great. Um, going back to 2019, um, you know, we've alluded to these playlists that you make every month. And, you know, this is something that I asked you to do uh, back when I was starting to get back into metal again. And I thought it would be a good way to, <clears throat> to to kind of get more stuff that I might not have known about under my, you know, into my wheelhouse, so to speak. But anyway, um, you had made a playlist in... April of 2019 and this song was on it and it maybe just hearing it detached from the rest of the album made it stand out more for me, but I couldn't believe how awesome it was. A a song that I'd heard a million times just hit me like in a different way. And I would end up um, the following year making this playlist and it's become a thing that I do every now and again, where I make a playlist of all old songs that never made it onto any other playlist for whatever reason. It was kind of like, um, you know, the, the, like lost hits or whatever in my, in my mind. And this was, I think the first, I think is the first playlist I ever made like this. And so it had, so I put tears of tarragon on there has eye to eye by fate's warning, evil warning by Angra, under a glass moon by dream theater. We hold the key by Stradivarius Just songs that, like, when I was making these mixtapes back in the day, they weren't the obvious choices because, you know, uh, because Images and Words had Take the Time and, and, you know, Pull Me Under, or Fourth Dimension had uh, Distant Skies and Twilight Symphony. So this is kind of like my make good for missing stuff. And, And this, I love this playlist, I have to share it with you um the edge of madness from the edge is on there nice. um mission profile by threshold just a lot of good stuff um i love this is one of my favorite playlists um a- and this song is part of the reason why but uh yeah anyway because you here, hadn't let's-
1: played you hadn't played out these songs yet so it was like the second crop of great stuff that you just hadn't played ten thousand times maybe just a thousand
2: Right and then I would go on to listen to the playlist 10,000 times to make up for it. So exactly. uh and every and so I keep a I keep like a, a playlist entry and whenever a song like this comes across instead of putting it on a new I try to keep my new playlist focused on newer stuff but if something older comes I'll throw it in this folder and then once I have enough to build a whole playlist I will drop it and it'll be like a throwback playlist and I have one that I'm currently I've been working on for a few months now and a lot of songs typically come up from doing the podcast um you know like um i think i threw on a, a song from um, power slave and uh just some of the albums that we've done where there's just songs that i kind of missed out on typically they're songs that i would end up making song of the week um and I'm like oh that should be on a playlist so I throw it in there and you'll see the playlist eventually I'll drop nice. it once it's finished but uh, awesome. that's just a little insight into what goes on in my uh <laughs> my head but um yeah let's uh let's give it a, a listen this is uh this is tears of tarragon by freedom call let's
0: listen to me.
1: fantastic choice as i said probably the other song of the week for me as well so i'm happy that i get to listen to it twice this week but i have a little bit of a trivia question one were you aware that they came out with a tarragon ep later in 1999 and they came out with a special version of this song would you have any idea about this because this is like really getting into the weeds
2: yeah well i've i remember um I never bought it. I downloaded it when I was in college and I've had it ever since because it was the only thing other than this album that Freedom Call had before uh, Crystal Empire was released. And there was um, a bunch of uh, a bunch of tracks that were not on this album, um, including the first of many covers I would hear of Dancing with Tears in My Eyes, which I yes. believe Avantasia would go on to cover as well. A song I'd never heard before. In fact, I'm not even too sure who the original artist is, but I love Freedom Call's version of it. It's a really good tune. Um, but there's also some new tracks, uh, Warriors of Light, Heart of the Brave, Kingdom Come, which um, I believe is a bonus track on some versions of Stairway to Fairyland. But um, the thing that blew me away, I just found this out today, is that so there's an extended version of Tears of Tarragon, which is uh, narrated as a story. Never knew who narrated it. Biff Byford from Saxon yes. is the narrator.
1: <laughs> and that was the reason for my question, because I was going to ask you if you knew who narrated this version. How I crazy literally that? found
2: that out today. Like, that's... New information.
1: <laughs> Shout out to Biff from Saxon. I never, never knew that. But also that was... one
2: of my favorite names in heavy metal, Biff Byford. Like, you, you've he had you've no... always been
1: a fan of alliteration. This should be no different. Um, so, cheers to Biff! Um, now let's talk about where this album takes a little bit of a dip. Yep, this is
2: it. This is where this is for me where the the drop off is. The, yes, I the agree album with is you. like to to me. It's it's really just eights nines and tens all the way up until this point and then just graceland and holy night are two songs that just never really did anything for me and i was hoping that years later i'd go back and listen again and i still graceland's like they're not bad songs like don't get me wrong it's just kind of boring like it, it there's not really much to it and um holy night has a little bit more like pep to it um you know graceland's a little bit more of a mid-tempo it's a little bit um, dr- droning. Maybe, maybe not the right word, but it's just After a little Celtic bit. After Celtic Frost, you got to be really careful when you yeah. use the word. They can't droning. be throwing their own droning around. <laughs> like, like, the- like we anymore. don't use that um, term
1: lightly here at the Metal Exchange. Yeah, no that, that's
2: all right. I, I, uh, I, am going to strike that from the record. <laughs> um, it's, it, it's, it's just, it's just a little plotting. Maybe is about it. Let's go plotting. Um, I like it. Yeah, it, and, and Holy Night has a little bit more pickup. To it. It's a little bit more classic power metal, but there's nothing about it that's really excites me very much. Like it's um the choruses and verses are just um average to me. Um I'm so yeah, be- I feel like I feel like maybe these songs could have been spaced out earlier in the album because I feel like the album kind of ends in a little bit more disappointing because of how strong the first bunch of tracks were. And then you just kind of, it kind of falls off a cliff with these, these, these two, I think another day, the last song is, is the best of the last three songs, but even still, it's not, I don't think any of these three songs compared to any of the songs that preceded them.
1: I will disagree with another day for a second, but let me leave that off. I just want to make a couple of notes. Graceland has a really offbeat intro that almost sounds, you're going to think I'm crazy, but it's almost like a power metal version of Hocus Pocus by Focus. There's something quirky about that start, which is just really weird, but the song is not that good. It's fine, it's just not a standout tune by any means, and I think it pales in comparison to everything that came before it. Holy Night is an outlier for a completely different reason. To me, it's like if you infused 70s hard rock with power metal, that would be Holy Night. It, it reminds me more of like Rainbow and Deep Purple than it does Gamma Ray, if that, that makes that sense. G-
2: the guitar intro is completely misplaced on this album, yes, in my opinion. It doesn't I feel agree. like it belongs.
1: Yeah, I, 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 completely, I completely agree with you. And I just, for some reason, it doesn't grab me the one thing I will say is that towards the end of the song, it kind of has the orchestration makes it feel almost like Rhapsody in a way, which is kind of cool. Um, but the that between that and the vocal rounds, which is almost like a sabotage thing, it's just a misplaced song. And I almost wonder if it would be better as like a B-side or something like that, because it's cool, but it's not. It's just something off-putting about it. But where I really disagree, though, is Another Day. Another Day is actually, in my opinion, one of the top three songs or top four songs on the album. I think that it's some of the best guitar work on the album, and these epic drum fills that you hear throughout are absolutely awesome. It's pretty fast. The mix is great, and I never paid it any attention back in the day, but I like it a lot, and I think it ends the album in this uplifting kind of way, which is kind of needed after Holy Night, which is, again, a little off-putting in certain ways. I think it's a good way to end the album. And I, 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 I think that it's better than you give it credit for. Not saying that it's the best track on the album, but it's it's very good. I'll say this.
2: Um, the first, uh, let's see, the first seven songs in this album, I think are really awesome songs. And I think the fact that this song doesn't live up to the first seven songs to me is not a a knock at all um it's just i I think graceland and holy night are the two songs i just don't love uh this song is quite good i think it's probably the best choice to be the last song it's just that it sucks that like those two songs had to precede it because it kind of it just kind of like gives kind of a listless i don't know way to kind of end things out even though it is a good song um I don't know. It it's I don't necessarily disagree with you. I I it's just uh I just love those first seven songs so much and and then like it, I think it was just a poorly um a poorly ordered album. I mean in all honesty, I feel like they probably could have just gotten away with knocking those two songs off, making it an eight track album. It would have been a little short, but um I think it would have felt more more uh consistent and i probably would have given it a higher ranking um had those two songs not been present
1: well sometimes less is more what 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 are you ranking this album on a scale of
2: zero to ten um i am gonna give it an 8.25 um i i I still think that uh no you know what i'm I'm sorry i'm gonna give it an 8.5 it's just that the the songs that the songs that I really like really just carry this album. I think it would be... It probably would be in the nines if there weren't two songs that just um, don't don't live up to the standards of the other eight, I guess I'll put it. Um, you know, you know what? Eight point three seven five. I'm gonna, I, I'm, I'm wavering, so I'll just go in between the two. That, let's do that. Um, I can see the internal struggle that you're, you're. Yeah, you're having sometimes right it's now. hard. Sometimes it's hard. Uh, but yeah, that's my final answer is eight point three seven five. Um, that's what fractions are for. <laughs> this is. I, I am not having that struggle.
1: This album is clearly an eight to me, and the reason I say clearly is a seven lumps it in with some just more stuff that's closer to average and and this is a better than average album it's a great debut but it does not go anywhere near the nines that are that are reserved for your, your your best of the genre type of albums i like this one a lot i think that freedom call is a band that um again i think that if you put their best material together it's definitely in the nines the filler brings it down a bit, but this album is, is, is a solid eight for me. It's a very good listen. And for those that haven't heard it or are just familiar with the band's more recent material, definitely go back, check
2: this out. I think there's a lot to sink your teeth into. Uh, I, am with you. Uh, I, I, would just, I'm going to just reiterate that. I think that this could have been closer to one of the all time greats. Had it been consistent from start to finish with like really good, uh, songs, but, um, i think this was a really great way for this band to kind of kick things off and and they would end up having a very uh, a very great career they still are around as we mentioned they made a ton of albums like you mentioned there's a slew of really really great uh songs um and i think they've just become uh one of the real classic uh power metal bands especially german power metal um you know i think they that they Kind of just trail pretty much Halloween and Gamma Ray, um, which is you know pretty good company. Guardian, <clears throat> <throat> yeah, well they're pretty <clears throat> blind, good too. Blind. Blind Guardian. Um
1: Guardian, but no. Aside from that, I'll say this: what's I'll kind of put a bow on it by saying only one original member, Chris Bay, the only member of the band that is still around from the debut. They've had many lineup changes over the years. I'm not going to get into all of them, but it's just interesting how the one constant has been his vocal presence.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, it's funny that you said you mentioned earlier that like it felt like a solo project, and it's kind of what Freedom Call has become. Although, I mean, Lars, Lars Rekowitz has been in the band for quite some time now. He joined the band in 2005. I believe he was, um, uh, maybe not. He, he, he was, he joined the band four years after Sasha left. So there must have been somebody.
1: Patrick mm-hmm. DuPont was on Guitars for a spell for about four years, I think.
2: Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, he, you know, he also from uh, SimForce. Um, and so he's been kind of the, uh, the the pretty much the, the long-term guitar player. Chris Bay also plays uh, Guitars for this band because they're um, only a three, three-man band right now. I think their drummer is kind of a drummer-for-hire type guy. I feel like every time I see a live video of this band, there's somebody else. Uh, drumming. I know when uh, they played at Prague Power, uh, Rami Ali was their drummer, and he's, I think he pops up on a bunch of different things I've seen uh, over the times. I forgot what band he's in nowadays. I'll actually look it up. Um, but I was I was mentioning to you that uh, I-, I found it interesting that when I was looking at the uh, the the names of-, of everybody that was on this album, it, it dawned on me that... Um, I had met every person on this album at one point or another. Um, and uh Rami Ali is now the drummer for Sirius Black. Um mm. so uh that's where I remember him from. Um but yeah, so um, you know, I met Chris Bay and Ilker Erson at Prague Power when the band played uh you know a few years back. I met Sasha Gerstner outside of um BB King's in new york city before a halloween show um which i think was the first time i had seen him perform live with the band it was probably the rabbit don't come easy tour come to think of it um and i met dan zimmerman at prog power three with the uh the rest of of gamma ray um much to the chagrin of snowdy who (laughs) couldn't get that box autographed It's, it's it's one of these days i'm gonna if I ever get any prominence in this world, I'm going to make sure I get Dan Zimmerman to get that signature onto that <laughs> box because Mike, Mike, I know Snowy needs that that signature to to, to complete the the set. Um, it, interesting though, um, I just it, it's funny over the years just kind of meeting people and it, especially through Prog Power, and I, I was just like, holy crap, I've actually had a conversation with every single person that was on this album. So I thought that was kind of neat. Um, but yeah, was, uh, this was a, a really fun kind of, uh, divergence from last week's material. And, uh, I don't know if, if Brian, um, mentioned freedom call cause he had heard the podcast or just had the same kind of thought that this would be well in the the opposite direction. But if so, cheers, that's a, that's an amazing, Go out and play
1: Powerball because you hit the nail on the head. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, it was a kind of puts a nice bow on the year. We'll do our best of next week. I just want to share a couple of news items. We, we, we talked about Camelot earlier. They put up a teaser for their new album, which I believe is coming out later this year. Uh, I'll be listening. I don't know if it's going to grab me like some of the earlier stuff, but, uh, their, their newer material has been good. I, I just don't know that I would say it's among my favorite albums each year, but new Camelot. I,
2: I, my ears perk up. I will say, um, I'm excited to see them at Prague Power. Uh, they're going to be headlining for no other reason than that I haven't seen them live in a really long time. And I'm sure once I see them live, I'll be good for another 10 years or so. Because there was, I think, a time in my life where I was just getting, like, overkill on Camelot. I saw them live so many times. And never with Khan, oddly enough. It was like, I saw them with Fabio. I saw them a whole bunch of times with Tommy. They played they opened for Nightwish at Prague power two nights in a row. I, I just went through this like overkill phase with Camelot. And now it's been so long since I've seen them that like, you know, I think my expectations are tempered where I'm not going to be like disappointed when they don't play anything from fourth legacy. Cause I am expecting that to be the case. I'm hoping that maybe because it's Prague power, they do a little fan service and dig a little deeper into the catalog. But, uh, I think going into it with, with um, lessened expectations will make it more enjoyable.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I, The irony, and I never thought I would say these words, but depending on when they're playing on 70,000 tons, I may skip them for other bands if there's something that I want to see more. you know, I, I don't know who it is necessarily, but the, it's always interesting because you're kind of running around from stage to stage watching different bands play, and something often has to give Camelot may be one of those bands because I know that I will have the pleasure of seeing them in Atlanta. So we'll see what happens. But nonetheless, new Camelot album for next year. And just one tour that I wanted to announce. Vicious Rumors uh, will embark on a U.S. tour kicking off March 8th in Reno, Nevada, ending in April, April 1st to be exact in Tulsa. They are coming to New York on March 19th. This is a band that I have a guilty pleasure for. They have one particular album, Welcome to the Ball, which in many ways is almost like a sabotage clone from the late 80s era sabotage, the gutter ballet (laughs) era of sabotage. And the reason I say that is because on this tour, they are going to play a lot of their uh, Atlantic era material, which was, in fact, Welcome to the Ball and, and the albums that preceded it. So I am curious to hear some of those songs live. I may kind of cheat a little bit, see what the set list is for them uh, when they kick off the tour and then go catch them in Brooklyn a couple of weeks later. Uh, If you, and I don't know that you're familiar with these guys, we're going to do Welcome to the Ball one of these days because I have some stories about that album which are pretty interesting and I think you'll really enjoy it. I think it's one of those albums where like you'll hear it and you'll be like, I don't know why I haven't been listening to this for 30 years.
2: Yeah, I'm not super familiar with a lot of their – material um i probably have like a couple of songs here and there actually no i do have that album and i'm guessing it was on your recommendation um for sure so yeah that that's definitely something to uh to consider going forward um i do want to mention um in from the department of uh boy i wish this was happening in the united states um oddly enough in in doing a little uh, prep for this Freedom Call episode, I I, I had noticed that um, after uh, after Stairway to Fairyland was released, Freedom Call did a tour of France with opening for Angra and Edguy. Um, talk about a talk about a show! But anyway, <laughs> um, the reason I bring that up is because there's a going to be a, a short little stint um, next year or oops, next year this year in Japan. Uh, Power Quest is going to Japan with Twilight Force. Um, boy, if that was coming to the United States, I might have to get in my car and follow that tour around like a like a deadhead, um,
1: <laughs> playing like the a same pop- set list every night. But no, yeah, it's- I don't care.
2: It would be a power. would <laughs> be a powerhead. Um, I, that and I know how much the Japanese fans um love Power Quest and um a, a presumably Twilight Force. So I think that's a blast. I know that the uh I also know that the band members are friendly with one another because they played together in Japan um a few years ago uh around the same time that Power Quest and Twilight Force played at Prague Power. Um the bands became friendly um and so I think that's really cool. Um it's it seems like Power Quest is really uh trying to hit all the their spots. I know I think they're also playing um, One of the festivals in Spain, I believe, Um, land the rock or something, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So they're they're uh, they're not going out. They're not going quietly. Uh
1: (laughs) No, and now that actually, now that you reminded me, and I'm not sure what kind of brought this to the forefront. I got one other bit of news, which I thought was absolutely beyond comprehension. Um, Extreme metal band Cradle of Filth formed at this point over 30 years ago is in Danny filth the singer is doing a collaboration on the next cradle of filth album with Ed Sheeran. What the hell is that going to sound like and how did he, they get him to agree to do this? Like I'm so curious. You have one of the biggest stars in in, you know, pop rock radio with an extreme metal band that I've never really listened to but I know that they're wildly popular. What is that going to sound like, and how did they get him to agree to it? I'm 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 blown away
2: by this. I I I always think of Cradle of Filth because um, when Master Plan played Prague Power, I was um, one of their sponsors. uh, You were too, and um, I was backstage uh, meeting the band afterwards, and and uh, just kind of bsing with the guys and and Martin Skrupka was the drummer for master plan at the time. And, um, I was kind of, you know, in my, uh, in my head, planting seeds, like, Hey, you know, you guys, uh, you know, ever been to New York, you should play a show in New York. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, Martin goes, uh, I've never played in New York with master plan, but my other band cradle of filth, maybe you've heard of them. <laughs> so so I'm, funny. Like, I'm like, yeah, I've heard of them. I was, I didn't have the heart to tell them that I'd never heard any of their songs, but, um, anyway uh and also just interesting like a, fr- a friend of mine um zoe marie fedoroff um is now a member of cradle of filth she uh does female vocals and plays keyboards um with the with the band and and i i just have been friends with her on facebook for years and then all of a sudden she's like i'm in cradle of filth now so i thought that was kind of cool so just a couple of uh reasons maybe we should do one of their albums one of these days because it sounds like neither one of us are well versed in this band at all
1: i uh i would agree with that and uh quite frankly let's do the new one because i want to hear this ed sheeran tune i'm morbid curiosity is getting the best of me so if we don't do one of the classic albums we can certainly do the new one yeah apparently
2: apparently ed sheeran's a fan and that's why so wow um, okay yeah because i'm looking according to wikipedia which could have been written by anyone um It says that Cradle of Filth serves as an influence for a variety of bands, and they just list a a number of bands that you would expect, like, you know, Demu Borgier and Ghost and Black Dahlia Murder, and then Ed Sheeran
1: yeah because when i hear ed sheeran i think of extreme metal. in fact
2: ed sheeran is right next to carrick angren so there you go well i
1: carrick angren i can hear and having seen them live i can totally see that but anyway i digress i never
2: thought i would see those two names next to each other in anything in my life and
1: you probably never will again thanks to wikipedia but um yeah look forward to next week we'll do our best of and then i'll come back with an album for the following week so it should be uh, a lot of fun and here's to a here's to a fruitful and productive 2023
2: yes i am almost uh ready to unleash this list onto the world and uh i um i'm sure i'm not going to be happy with it at the end but you know what it is what it is i can't i can't put it off any longer before i have to start listening to songs from 2023 so uh I, i have um i have beyond the black uh on friday is my first 2023 release that i plan on listening to and uh so I'm thinking uh, that'll be my that'll be my cutoff point for 2022, and, and start getting myself ready for next year's list. No, no better
1: time than the present. Enjoy the week, my friend. I will talk to you soon.
2: All right, have a good one.